Welcome to part one of our series of Had It Not Been. It's a short but very powerful phrase. So maybe you would say it this way. Had it not been for my mother, I would have never made it this far in my life. Had it not been. Or had it not been for my second grade teacher, I would have never learned how to write in cursive which is probably true for me, but as I was thinking in our today's world, I don't know if second grade teachers teach that anymore. I didn't fact check that. Does anybody know? I mean, uh, nobody writes in cursive or at least learns how to do cursive nowadays. <laughs> but if it had not been for my second grade teacher, I would have never learned cursive. Uh, the writer of Psalm 124 that we're going to look at today in our Bibles, he starts off his song with this phrase. And he says it this way, what if the Lord had not been on our side? What if the Lord had not been on our side? Had it not been the Lord on our side? And what an interesting question to think about. Because if you're like me, maybe you've thought before, is God really on my side? And, and if he is, like, what, is that, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Because I look around at my world, I look around at the bigger world, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. There's a lot of evil, there's a lot of just difficult situations, I've experienced a lot of trouble, and if God is really on my side, then doesn't he do something about all of that? Is God really on my side? Is, does God even exist? Because if he existed, then certainly he would do something about all this stuff. And so maybe, maybe he doesn't exist. Or, or maybe let's say he does exist, but then maybe he's just not all powerful enough to do anything about it. Maybe he doesn't have the authority or have the ability to make a difference in the world that we want to see. Or maybe... Maybe God just, he doesn't know. <laughs> Maybe he needs a wake-up call. You know, somebody call the, the God hotline and be like, hey, look over there. <laughs> There's something, something bad. That's something that needs your attention. Maybe God just needs a wake-up call to, to learn about it. Or maybe, maybe we would say, you know, yes, God exists. And yes, he's all-powerful. And yes, he knows about it. But maybe he just doesn't care. And if you've ever thought those thoughts or asked those questions, if you've ever wondered if God is really for you and on your side, then this series is for you. It's for me. So would you pray with me again as we start our new series, Had It Not Been? God, we just come before you today. And we realize <laughs> we're talking to somebody we cannot see. And we're listening to and, and having a relationship with somebody that really, I mean, is invisible. But God, help us to see you and help us to know you more through this series. Help us to understand your characteristics and your attributes and help us to really believe at the core of our being, like at who we are at the deepest level, that you truly, absolutely are for us and on our side. God, help us to believe and to just know and live in the truth that you see us and that you care, you care so much about us. Help us to do that through this series, in Jesus' name, amen. So hey, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn with me to Psalm 
124. Psalm 124, if you have a physical Bible, which how many of you actually do, but if you do, you can open it right to the begin in the middle, and that's you'll probably land right near there. And if you don't, that's okay. The words will be on the screen behind me. And we would love to give you a free Bible before you leave today. Just stop in the New Here area, and we would love to give you a free Bible before you leave. Um, but here is Psalm 124, and it is a psalm that was said to have been written by David. That's what the little inscription below it says. And this is how it starts. Well, you know how it starts. What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. But praise the Lord, who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, there is power in reading God's Word, the Scriptures, publicly together. It is alive, it is active, and it makes a difference in our life and in our world. And uh, I encourage you this week to read your Bible. <laughs> Get an app, read, you know, read something. And maybe you've tried to, to read your Bible before, and you're like, I started at the beginning, and I didn't really make it too far. I encourage you to maybe start in the book of Psalms. But I think the best place to start reading your Bible is in the book of John. That's uh, the gospel account of somebody, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and it just talks all about Jesus, all about his, what he did. And if you get Jesus and John right, then it puts the Bible into perspective. So if you want to start somewhere, start in John. But the Psalms is also a good place to start because the Psalms, they put words to what we feel and what we go through. And sometimes what we feel and what we go through, we just don't even know what to say. And the Psalms give us the words to say that. You know, the Bible is not a book that you read from cover to cover. Like you, you don't just start at the first word and at the end, like a regular novel, once you get to the end, you kind of close it and put it on the shelf and forget about it. The Bible is a collection of all different kinds of writings, all different kinds of ancient manuscripts for over thousands of years that were all collected. They're, they're historical records and documents. There's a bunch of numbers and genealogies. There's narrative. There's, there's poetry. There's all different kinds that are collected into the scriptures. And the Psalms are really unique because the Bible is God's word to us. It records a lot of what God says, right? Like God is speaking to people. He's speaking to us a lot of times. But it's been said that the Psalms are almost like our words spoken to God. Because they just put words to the things and the situations that we experience that we oftentimes cannot even cannot even put words to. There's actually 150 Psalms in our Bible. And the book of Psalms is divided up into five different sections, five different books. And you might know one of the authors who wrote a lot of Psalms. You think of the Psalms and you think of David. Yeah, he wrote at least 73 of the 150, which is interesting because that's not even half. <laughs> there are a lot of other people that included writing the Psalms, which is really, really fascinating. There's a lot of Psalms that uh, 
They, their, their praises to God, their thankfulness to God, their songs that are sung by people and individual songs sang by communities, songs sang on the way to the temple. There's even songs and psalms that call down destruction on people. Those are quite interesting psalms. There's psalms that express sorrow and pain and difficulty and confusion and faith. And maybe for you, you've turned to music during some different times in your life. Maybe there's a, a song of the summer that was the hit, and that was the year that you met that special person in your life. And sure enough, as you were dating and getting to know each other, it's like our first dance at our wedding was that song, our special song that we share with our spouse. Or maybe there's a song that really gripped your heart and soul during a difficult time in your life. And you just clung to it. You, need, you needed it. It gave you the ability to keep pushing on and moving forward. Uh, for me, there was a, a really hard time in my life, my freshman year of college. And it, up until that time in my life, it was probably the hardest thing I went through. And there was a song that met me. I listened to it every single day. It's called Praise You in the Storm. And it was a reminder that that's what I wanted to do in the middle of my storm, in the middle of my dark storm. I wanted to praise him in the middle of it. And that's what music does. It puts words, it puts feelings and emotions to the things that, that we're trying to wrap our brains around. And it's what our writer in Psalm 124 does. And he asks the question, the powerful question, what if the Lord had not been on our side? And then he gives us a few answers. He says, they would have swallowed us alive and the waters would have engulfed us. Which, again, you ask the question, well, who is they? <laughs> Whose anger, who's swallowing us alive? Whose water is coming to get us? Who is they? It's one of the interesting things about the Psalms. Like, what is their historical context? When were they written? If David wrote many of them, like he said to have written this one, we know a lot about David's life. We could read about it in the Old Testament, a lot of what he went through. And don't you wonder, like what song would he have written when he got his sling and his stone and he swung it around and he threw it at the, the giant Goliath and it clocked him in the head and he went down and David ran over and pulled the sword out of his thing and cut his head off and he's like, yeah, triumph, victory. What song do you write in that moment? Or, or what song does David write when he's, when he's trying to comfort the King Saul and King Saul is like losing his mind and he's throwing spears at David and David's like dodging them, you know, for the hundredth time. Like what song do you write when your life is on the line? It's one of the interesting things about the Psalms. And, and here the answer that is given for us is when the people attacked us, like the, the people there was people they were attacking. And in his polit poetical language, he's, talk he's thinking about the destruction, the, the horrible situations, all the difficulty and trouble that could have happened if the Lord had not been on his side. All of these things could have happened, but they didn't. <laughs> so it makes me wonder, how often do we really care if God is on our side? Like, 
I think so often we want so many other things to be on our side. We want somebody that has a lot of authority, a lot of power, and a lot of money, I think, a lot of times to be on our side because that means that whatever situation we can find ourselves in, we just take our phone out, we send the message, we give the call and say, hey, I need your help. I know you know people. I know you got the resources. Come and fight for me. And like we want somebody like that on our side. Or sometimes it's not a person. Sometimes it's things. Like sometimes we want the stock market to be on our side, don't we? (laughs) We put money into that thing and we want to see it go up and to the right. We want everything to be green. We want it to be for us. We want it to be on our side. And the moment we put money there and it turns red and (laughs) what's going on, we start to feel overwhelmed. We start to feel engulfed in the, in the waters. We start to, to feel like things are closing in. Or if you're applying for a job, anyone apply for a job recently? Don't you want somebody that's inside the company to be on your side? Like if you have an interview with a guy that's making the decision, or at least has a great influence in the decision, and you know him, like you two are you two are, are solid, you know. You, you and her making the, the hiring decision. You're together. You're a team. Like You have someone on the inside. You want them on your side. Why does it matter to have God on my side? I mean, God's not going to show up and you know, use his power and his connections and resources to help me in my situation. God's not going to cause the stock market to go you know, in the way I want. God's not going to ultimately give me a job. It's the person making the decision, obviously, that's going to make, give me the job. <laughs> and so often, we want so many other things on our side. What do we need God for? And you know, it's this tension and this debate, <laughs> this struggle and fight. Do we really just trust in God to be on our side and that's all we need? That the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, struggled with all the time. Like they had enemies that were surrounding their their country, their territory, their cities. And they were always attacking. They were always trying to get at them. And they always asked the question, is it enough that God is for us, that God is with us? There was always a pull and a draw to call on somebody call on the nation of Egypt. They had the power. They had the resources. They had the army. And the kingdom of Israel was like, if we could just have them on our side, then we don't have to worry about our enemies. (laughs) And so often, we live our life that way, don't we? We want all these other things to come in our life. And then, There's so many prophets throughout the history of Israel that we read in the Bible. These prophets come to the king of Judah, to Israel, and he says, I know you want Egypt on your side, but that is a bad decision. (laughs) You think they're going to help you. They are not going to help you. You think that they're going to come and save you. They are not going to save you. They are going to cause more problems than anything else. Like, leave them alone. Our God is enough. Our God is on our side. He is with us. You do not need all of that other stuff. And what's crazy 
is that even their enemies knew this about Israel. <laughs> like this was such an obvious thing that the nation of Israel kept always running to Egypt. Always running to Egypt. Well, we need Egypt. We need Egypt. That even the enemy king, his name is Sennacherib. You'll hear his name a couple times today. Sennacherib in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 19 says this. Then the Assyrian king's chief of staff told them to give this message to Hezekiah. Sennacherib is the, the Assyrian king, and Hezekiah is the king of Judah. Okay. This is what the great king of Assyria says. This is Sennacherib. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? And I think if there is one question that you answer today, before you leave or as you leave this place, answer that question. What makes you confident? It's a, it's a great question. He says, do you think that mere words can substitute for military strength and skill? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? See, the nation of Israel, the, the kingdom of Judah at this time, they did not go with the Assyrians. The Assyrians were conquering everybody. They're like, you know, we either kill you or you join us. <laughs> and the, the nation of the kingdom of Judah was like, we are not joining you. And so the king's like, who do you think you are rebelling against me? Who are you counting on? And so he knew, didn't he know, right? Are you counting on, on Egypt? <laughs> and then he says this, he says, if you lean on Egypt, it'll be like a reed that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. See, even the enemy king knew this about Egypt. And how many things in our life do we lean on, do we count on, and there is absolutely no way that it's going to hold up to our weight. We lean on and trust in and hope in our money, and it, it goes. It's gone. It's not what we thought it was. We lean on and, and trust in and hope in our jobs and our positions, and then they disappear. We lean on and trust in people, our friends, our spouse, and eventually, they break. <laughs> and they cannot live up to the weight that we put on them. And that's why, that's why we need God on our side, right? That's why we need Him to lean on, because He will never break. And He will, thankfully I didn't get hurt here, but thankfully He won't, hurt you. He won't, he won't pierce your hand. But all of these other things do. And this is really the point of this entire series, had it not been, is I want to give you so many reasons why you can put your full weight, your full who you are, you're, you're leaning on, you're, you're hoping in, in God, in the person of God, of who he is. This study is called, in big terms, theology proper, <laughs> the study of the person of God. And there are some characteristics and attributes about God that are unique to God. They're called the incommunicable attributes of God. They are unique to him. They're not communicated or to other people, to us. 
And some of them are. Some of them are communicable to us. And so, for example, an attribute of God, God is love, right? Do you love? Yeah. God is love. We love, but we do it in a finite human way. And God, of course, does it in a a perfect way. God is just. He is right. He is fair. And we, we seek justice. We, We want justice. We fight for justice. God is creator. And we are creative in our own unique way. We're, we're, we're doing these attributes of God. But there are some things about God that are unique to God, like he is all-powerful. It's like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, what does it mean to be able to be all-powerful? Or what is God is all-knowing? He knows absolutely everything from the beginning of time to the end of time. He's outside of time. He knows it all at the same time. Okay? <laughs> what does that mean? God is all present. He is everywhere at the same time. In all places around the, the globe and in every galaxy, there is no place God is not. Okay? <laughs> it's these characteristics, these attributes of God that make God God and cause us to worship Him, cause us to be in awe of Him, cause us to to revere Him and love Him and trust in Him and praise Him and thank Him. and That's exactly what the writer of this psalm does when he considers exactly that God is who He said He is and this incredible, amazing, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God is on our side. He is on our side. So, praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord, who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And verse 7 is where we get this beautiful image of this bird. And I'm so thankful for one of my friends who designed this for us. I mean, it's an incredible picture. Have you ever felt, there's the bird, have you ever felt like you escape something that you shouldn't have escaped? You ever make it through like a car accident and you're like, I don't even know how I'm still here today. Or you've been through like a hopeless situation. Or maybe you've made it through or survived a drug overdose, a bankruptcy. Or maybe you could say something like, I would have been in those World Trade Centers on 9-11 had it not been that my alarm didn't go off that morning and for some reason I missed work. Like that's people's stories. And it's a, it's a miracle. It's amazing that God would be on our side, that would be for us in that way. And it's like cause us to praise God, to thank God. He is our help. And if, if He can create the heavens and the earth, then certainly He can help us as we are living inside of what He created. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we just need to say we made it. <laughs> we made it. Like we're here. It's like, it's amazing. It's, it's, it almost seems unlikely, impossible, but we made it. <laughs> I made it. Turn to the neighbor next to you and tell him, I made it. I made it. Type it in the chat. I made it. Like you made it through some stuff by the grace of God. 
you're here today and things could be so totally different if it wasn't God on our side. You guys are maybe a little quiet. I'm going to challenge you with something real quick. (laughs) I want you to take 10 seconds and I want you to praise God and thank God for him being on our side and getting you through something. Come on, somebody. Let's say, thank you, God. I mean, make some noise. (laughs) There we go. Let's say, God, thank you that you are on our side. You have made it through. You have gotten us through some hard stuff. All right. Hey, I want to tell you now about this historical artifact. It's in the British Museum. It's been there since 1855. That's a long time ago. It's called the Sennacherib Prism. It's a hexagonal clay prism that lists eight campaigns of Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, until the start of his final war against Babylon and includes a description of the tribute received from Hezekiah, the king of Judah, in 701 B.C. I just took this right off of the British Museum's website. It was made in 691 B.C. near Iraq. It's 15 inches tall. On it is cuneiform inscription. That's the language, the writing of the day. And there's 487 lines of it on this thing. So... First of all, it's incredible that this thing exists (laughs) and that they found it. Like, that's a miracle. That's remarkable. And if you've ever looked into biblical archaeology, like, they found some pretty amazing things. Like, it's amazing that you could take this book and you could look through it and you could be like, I think, I think this is over here. You know, that's what, that's what it says. And then you start digging and it's like, sure enough, oh, look, I found it. It's like, It just gives you amazing reasons to believe that the Bible really is true. It's incredible. But I want to read to you lines 11 through 24. And no, they didn't teach me cuneiform in seminary. (laughs) I'm reading what somebody else translated, but we trust them. Look at what it says. And of Hezekiah, who was the king of the Jews, who had not submitted to my yoke, He had 46 of his fenced cities and strongholds and smaller cities which were round about them and were without number, he said, I besieged. (laughs) I besieged. I captured 200,150 people, small and great, male and female, horses and mules, donkeys, camels, men, sheep innumerable. For their midst I brought out and I reckoned them as spoil. It's like, okay, we get it. You took a lot of stuff. Hezekiah himself, what's those next words? Like a caged within Jerusalem his royal city I shut in what words did Sennacherib use to describe Hezekiah like a caged bird what words did God use in this psalm to describe what he was doing for the person (laughs) he freed him (laughs) like a bird from a trap right we escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Sennacherib may have securely locked the cage, but the living God of Israel came in after it 
and unlocked it. <laughs> the bird escaped. It's, it seems too good to be true. We escaped. Praise the Lord. God did it. Do you see it? <laughs> but although this psalm says it was written by David, it's because of this coincidence <laughs> that many people think that Hezekiah probably maybe wrote this psalm. Maybe that inscription should have said descendant of David, not like David. Or if David did write it, then Hezekiah certainly adopted it and embraced it for his situation because it, it just describes what he went through so well. The very thing that God used, or sorry, the very thing that the enemy used against Hezekiah is the very thing that God used to set him free. The very thing that the enemy meant for evil, God turned to good. God did not abandon him when he was a bird in a cage. God was at work the entire time and used it to help him escape. Now, what has the enemy said about you? What words, images, pictures, labels come to mind when you think about yourself and your situation? Sennacherib had a label for Hezekiah. He was a bird in a cage. He was done. It was over. He had him right where he wanted him. But God was on his side and Hezekiah escaped. The bird made it out of the cage. The cage is broken. And maybe there are some things in your past, things that you've done, things that you've said that you aren't so happy about. And in some ways, in many ways, maybe you feel ashamed about them. There's things that you've done that you hope that nobody would ever find out. And you're mad at me right now because you're making me think about it, right? And these things that we experience in life, that we do in life, like they cause us to feel sometimes, I mean, a whole range of things, but maybe you just feel like dirty. Like dirty because of the people that you've been with, Dirty because of the, the places that you've been. Dirty because of the things that you've seen. You just kind of feel it on you. In your mind, in your soul, you just kind of you just feel, for lack of a better term, dirty. And you know, there's always some truth to these thoughts, these labels that... We think about ourselves like we, we are, if we're really honest with ourselves, like, yeah, there's a part of us, right? That is dirty. And in fact, the prophets, one of the prophets, Isaiah, he, he wrote that even our righteous deeds are like filthy, dirty rags. It's like even our best stuff. <clears throat> but yet God, he gets down into the dirt with us. He brushes us off and cleans us up. And with dirt all over his hands, he puts his hands on our face and he looks us right in the eye and he says, I don't condemn you. I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. Now go 
and sin no more. Like God meets us right where we are, right in the dirt. He gets right in the mess with us. And He loves us as perfectly as possible and cleans us up. The Scriptures say, though our sins are like scarlet, you will be made as white as snow. See, God has some white, clean clothes for us to wear. You are washed. You are clean because of Jesus. And there's just something, though, in our thinking, something in our mind that, like we know, we know we're a bird in a cage. (laughs) We know we're stuck in many things. We can't get out, right? But there's something inside of us that, man, we want to figure it out. (laughs) We'll work so hard. We're going to get this. We're going to beat it. We're going to defeat it. We're going to overcome it. We're going to get out of here. We're going to figure it out. And when I figure it out, then God will love me. Then I will feel worthy to have a relationship with God. And a lot of times we apply that to church, right? It's like, I can't go to church. But once I clean myself up a little bit, then, then I'll come, you know. Or maybe if we're a bird in a cage, maybe it's being the bird that's the problem. It's like if I just was something different, like if I was something new, if I just changed who I was, if like I'm the problem. And so like instead of being a bird, like what if I could become a snake? I could like slither right through the, the cage and I could escape that way. But it's the bird, it's the person, it's who we are that is the problem. Or maybe, maybe you've just given up altogether. Like you're a bird in a cage and that's all you will ever be. You're stuck. It's over. You're out of hope. You're done. But God, somebody say, but God, but our God is for us. He is with us and he breaks the cage and we escape as a bird. God uses the very thing that locks us up to set us free. You feel dirty? God cleans us up. You feel like a failure? Why bother, right? I always mess up. It never works out. God can break that cycle. And you can escape. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. You feel unlovable? God's love for you is deeper and wider and more perfect than anything you can comprehend. You feel weak? It's actually in your weakness that you are made strong by God. You feel rejected and alone? You are born into the family of God. You are adopted as heirs of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He bought you with his blood. Feel worthless? Jesus gave his life for you. He gave everything to buy you because he loves you. And God takes the very things that we deal with, the very things that lock us up and uses them to set us free. God has the power to do that. He wants to do that. He loves us and he provides a way of escape. Our help is from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Now we got to finish the story of Hezekiah and Sennacherib. What happens? <laughs> How do you escape, you know? Well, 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 32 through 36. 
This is what the Lord said was going to happen. His armies, meaning Sennacherib's armies, will not enter Jerusalem. <laughs> Just God says they will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march around its gates with their shields, nor build banks of earth against its walls, you know, that run up the banks of earth to go on the other side. The king will return to his own country by the same road on which he came. He will not enter this city. He will, he will not enter this city, says the Lord. Why? For my own honor. I mean, every time I've read that this week, preparing for this message, I just get goosebumps. Like, God, He's going to fight for His people. He's going to keep the enemy away. Why? Because that's who He is. For His own honor, for His own being of who He is. He's going to do it for Himself because of who He is. And... For the sake of my servant David, he is going to fight for you. He says, I will. I will defend this city and I will protect it. I will defend you and I will protect you. Incredible words, promises of God. Do you think it happened? And that night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And when the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. God will fight for you. God is on your side. God can do anything. He is with you. He loves you. And the very thing that holds you down and locks you up is the very thing God wants to use to help you find Him. And then He'll say to you, stop looking anywhere else. Stop leaning on anything else. All that stuff is going to break. All that stuff is going to hurt you. All that stuff is going to let you down. Lean on me. And all of those things that the enemy says about who you are, all of those things that you tell yourself, that only you know the conversations you have with you, you might be those things, God says. But I am. Like, you might be this, but I am what you need. I am your healing. I am your forgiveness. I am your strength. I am, God says, to whatever it is that you need. Would you pray with me as we close? God, as we come to you today, may we realize that as we leave this place that you are walking every step of the way with us, that your all-powerful strength is going right there with us, that your knowing of everything walks into every unknown situation that we find ourselves in this week, and that your presence <laughs> literally is with us every single step of the way. And Lord, I pray that for us, that this would be enough. That you are truly on our side. And that's all we need. Lord, forgive us when we turn to so many other things. 
when we want to bring them onto our, our team, onto our side, if only we had, if only I had, if only I could do this, but you're saying, God, just, just trust me. Lord, help us to do exactly that. Help us to lean on you and help us to see ourselves as you see us. Though our sins might be as scarlet, you wash them white as snow. Lord, because of you, we can be free. Thank you for what you do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.